If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do? That's the great question. <laughs> what is the long-term effect of too much information? Hello and welcome back to the Wine Jar Cynics podcast. Uh, it's your boy Dio. It's Gene over there pouring up if you can hear. And we've got... Got Mac on the mic. Big Mac. And Gene. <laughs> Gene's, had a, Gene's a heathen. Yeah. He's an infidel. He's, he's tipping his glass a little bit. Be careful. You don't want to spill it stuff, on yourself. Stuff stains. We are drinking wine. We are the wine jar cynics. However, perhaps we shouldn't because today we're going to be covering a religion that doesn't favor alcohol. Oh, God. That's, yeah, that's too, true. Too much, but it's okay. We're, it's fine. We're approaching it from a secular view, right? This is true. So we're we're okay to drink. That's the truth. That being said, so this, this is, is a, part of the religion, the series. religion series. Yep, where we were doing the Abrahamic religions through the month of December, one a week. Last time was Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Uh, and this time we will be featuring uh, the religion of Islam. Mm -hmm. It is the it is the youngest of the Abrahamic religions. Yes. It is um, Abrahamic, meaning that it shares a common source, which would be uh, Abraham, or at least the legend of Abraham as its founder. Not its founder, but its uh, what's the word? Patriarch. It's patriarch, uh, similar to Judaism. Patriarchal. Well, it is. It is very patriarchal. They're they're very big on the patriarchal line of descent. But uh, yeah, this one I'm gonna be. Fully I thought that Judaism was matriarchal, but that's actually for the <coughs> next episode, right? Judaism, yeah, actually Judaism because uh, the mother has to be Jewish, and then you. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they follow. Well, I so it depends it on the, whether or not you're Orthodox, where you're. So we'll we'll yeah, save we'll save, the, we'll save because this is a fun fact I learned. It's not very fun, but it's a fact I learned about Judaism. We'll save it for the next episode because that will be Judaism. Today is Islam, uh, the the cousin of Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you could call it the brother of Judaism, uh, depending on how you want to do it. So, um. Yeah, we all know this is the religion we know the least about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so I know about Islam. You know what I know it through? I know it through the, uh, the golden age of Islam, the time when they were... Um, the keepers. Were the keepers of the Greek and Roman knowledge, and they expanded upon it, and they uh, discovered... Not, I mean, that's a, a debate, whether they discovered... Uh, does, is math discovered or created? I guess they discovered it, technically, I guess. And that is the scientific revolution in Islam. That, and I know because of the assassins. Do you know about the assassins? A bit. So you could, the, the etymology of that word, where it comes from. So if you look up the etymology of assassin, it, this is what you get up on, on Google. Etymology of assassin? Give me a second. Um, as, as it comes from Arabic. And, it's, and it comes from mid-16th century, actually... From um, it comes from Arabic hasisi hashish eater. Because there is a legend that after the fall of uh, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, right? He um, there was a big issue with secession, whether or not secession was supposed to be from a blood relative or who elected 
elect one of his. Um, we're, we're getting uh, super ahead of ourselves. Let's <laughs> let's start at the beginning. But well, that is the beginning, though. No, no, no. That's the beginning of Assassin. Oh, because maybe they don't know who Muhammad is. Oh yeah, I'm okay, assuming most me, people know Muhammad is me, though. Well, let, let, maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, and most also, we, we need stuff to talk about because uh, this is about. Uh, the only uh, thing, uh, you know. uh, let me first. Uh, um, the assassins. Transition from Gnosticism. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Let's true. Let's do that. Okay, so, yeah, last episode on the religion series, we talked about Gnosticism. Um, Gnosticism, again, is against the Old Testament God. Yes. It's like, it's the main difference, the biggest difference. Among, but, among many, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. Um, so, that also puts Gnosticism against... Islam and Allah. It, it would really, um, yeah, because Gnostics believe in two gods: the uh, creator of this world, the false and, god, and the true god. And the true god. Is there Gnosticism and in Islam? Technically, well, it's kind of well, a well. They believe there's only one god and the creator of everything, same as. But like the early, yeah. do you know if the early, um, you know, Islamic scholars made a had this sort of dualistic approach so, so maybe is, islam is a little bit different because so so let's let's take it way way back to the book of genesis actually yeah because islam has a different origin than judaism and christianity in that it comes almost directly from them however its origin according to the history of islam is that it goes way back even further to the book of genesis in the jewish uh torah and the the christian bible so everybody should be familiar with Abraham. Abraham was the the father of, of of nations, as they put it. He was the first guy that God made a covenant with in the Old Testament. Basically, he called um, he called Abraham out of the land of um, what would it be uh, the land of Ur, which would have been Iraq, right? And he called him to go to the promised land, which was Canaan, which would become Israel. Now, he made promises with him, one of them being that he was going to make many nations unto him. He was going to make him the father of nations. Now, Abraham thought this was funny. So did his wife, uh, Sarah, I believe. Yes, yeah, Sarah. Because they were like 90 years old. <laughs> and they're like, we don't have any kids. We're not going to have any kids. God said, it's cool. Just trust me. And so they followed him. So they tried to make babies and they couldn't. Sarah didn't trust God, as the story goes. She got impatient, and so she told Abraham, hey, I'm too old. Nothing's going to happen. Here, take my handmaiden, who was named uh, Hagar, or Hagar, I don't know how to pronounce it. Apologies. And she is a, uh, she was, um, how do I say it? Described, generally is seen as uh, darker skin. So they say Egyptian, I think. Or that was pre-Egyptian, but from that area, right? <clears throat> so they got together and they gave birth to, she gave birth to Ishmael. So Ishmael was the first son of Abraham, the inheritor of the blessing. However, God said, I didn't tell you to do that. I said it was going to come from Sarah because that's your wife. So then God makes Sarah pregnant and that's where you get, um, that's where you get Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham and he was one of the, Patriarchs of the Jews. Now, Sarah, not not liking the fact that there was now two children and two wives, she didn't like it. And so she told Abraham, hey, you need to send that hoe away <laughs> and tell her to take her kid with him. And so she she sent Abraham, you know, keep mama happy. Give happy me the hoe facts. Yeah, so 
So he, he sends them away, and they go out into the wilderness, and that's that. And it said that they went off and created a nation. This nation that they created would become the Arab people. That's where the, the mythological origin of the Arab people, they trace it back to Ishmael, uh, the son of Abraham, and therefore they are cousins of the Jews, right? Ishmael didn't worship uh, the same God as Abraham. He was too young. So what happened in uh, Arabia at that time, it grew, it developed into its own civilization, and they started to become, uh, what's the word? They had many gods, right? They had a lot of different gods. They had a lot of tribal gods, all those sort of things. They were a tribal people. Over in the uh, Jerusalem, in that area, the whole Old Testament happens, the New Testament happens, Jesus comes, Jesus goes, and then Christianity starts spreading to the world, starts spreading to the Mediterranean and the Middle East, and actually a lot of people in that time in the Arabic world, Arabic Arabic world, were Christian, or they were, you know, worshiping their polytheistic deities. Then in the late part of the 6th century, early part of the 7th century, uh, a guy named... Um, Muhammad, he started to get visions uh, that at first he thought they were like demon possession, and later he believed them to be, uh, I believe it was Gabriel. Yeah, the I'm an- pretty sure it was the angel Gabriel. The angel Gabriel was giving them visions and a message from God, whisked them away to uh, the temple, the temple mountain, the whisked them away to a couple other holy locations. And told him he needs to continue the, you know, he needs to interpret the word of God. And so what they say is that Muhammad became the prophet of God. In the same vein as Moses was a prophet, Samuel, the whole line of Hebrew prophets. And then when they get to Jesus, they the uh, Muslims actually believe in Jesus. Yeah, he's they just, a prophet he's as well. He's a prophet. And this is really where one of the main points of contention between uh, Islam and Christianity. Exactly. Islam and Christianity is that Jesus died for our sins in Christianity, as we'll find out when we talk about Christianity. But in Islam, a prophet of God is holy and cannot die. So in the Quran, Jesus doesn't die. He's taken to heaven, right? No harm can befall them, right? So if Jesus never died, then he couldn't have died for your sins, Therefore, they, they kind of remove the divinity away from Jesus. which And that's the idea of the Muslims. They don't want there to be more than one God. One of the main things is they really emphasize the singularity of God. There is only one God, and his name is Allah, and that's all that there is. Anything else is just they're not having it. From there, we get into <clears throat> what Gene was talking about. Uh, from Muhammad, there was splits after he died. Uh, he started a sorry. He started a campaign throughout the region. Basically, he amassed followers. They would go around and basically, they would convert people by the sword, um, as it said. Uh, d- don't get mad at me. That's just as I learned it. But they they rapidly spread throughout the region. When he died, there was a big debate between his followers over whether it was his nephew, his nephew. Ali, either a blood or it, I know that was the the biggest thing in Islam, uh, the Islamic succession of mm-hmm. Muhammad. There was either it be a blood relative or a non blood re- relative to become the Imam, the one, Caliphate. One was his like right hand man. 
they thought should succeed 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 him, and the other thought it should be a blood relative, and that's basically where the split between Sunni and Shiites happened, and so that going down through the the years following Muhammad's death resulted in many battles, many different rulers uh, coming into power throughout the region. In in addition to the expanse of the Muslim world, all the way up to Spain. Yeah, all of Spain, right? Or no, I think Spain? most of it. I think it's, it was Andalusia, which is um, mm-hmm. the southern part of Spain. So m- much of the southern Mediterranean part of Europe fell under um, Muslim rule, uh, and which influences its culture and its language to this day. Well, I know in Spanish, yeah, 8% of the, our language is like, um, uh, I don't know, I was so far away from, from the mic, but... 8% of the words in Spanish. I think it is 8%, which is not much, but is Arabic. So there are a lot of Arabic loan words. Portuguese sounds very Arabic. If you say a mayor in Spanish, it's alcalde. And yeah. alcalde sounds like Arabic. Another name in uh, Spanish is Omar. Omar is, I don't think it's Siberian. It's exactly pretty Arab, actually. Omar. Another. What is another Spanish word? Um, apparently... Yeah, there's a bunch. If you look up the list, you'll find a bunch. But so, so now, what were you saying about the assassins? Now we're all caught up to the point. Okay, that's the whole point I wanted to talk about. Uh, I was just giving the background. The whole point is eventually there was a sect that were called the Nizari. So now that you know that there was a split, you know the Nizari were um, a Shiite group. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? How is it? Uh, Shia. Shia. And the Shia, and apparently the Nazaris at one point were one of the biggest um, Shia groups after the Twelvers. Now, if you look at the Wikipedia article, I don't know, yeah, Wikipedia, but I'll look up Britannica too. Um, the Nazari teachings, and on top of their teachings, but also about the assassins, the Nazaris teach a lot of uh, something called Eat. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Eat. It's right here. It jihad. I can I cannot pronounce this. Ijtihad. Ijtihad. Yeah, using educated and independent reasoning and solving legal questions. So they apparently, from what I read, the Ismailis are considered heretics, and the Nizaris have a very famous history. So if you know about Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed talk about the story of the assassins and the etymology of assassins comes apparently. I've seen the etymological um, origin being Latin, but I've also heard it being um, from Arabic, meaning hashish eaters. And the reason why that's important is because the original assassins were, they were thought to be people who ate hashish. Mm. And there's this legend that these assassins, the Islamic assassins, used to take orders from a man in the mountains, in a in a in a fortress, and there are stories that people used to be wake up, and essentially, yeah, drugged from from hashish, and they would um, believe that they were in heaven, and that the the man from the mountain, and this is just legend, and there's many different types of legends, and that this elder, and he has a real name, he really did exist, would say that if you want to. Um, achieve this heavenly paradise that you live in now, that you, you're experiencing now, which was, you know, they they were um, under hashish, you know, they were drugged, so they assumed it was heaven. 
he would um, make them kill different Islamic leaders that are a different sect to achieve this kind of heavenly so martyrdom. He would, he would drug and radicalize. Yeah, drug and radicalize them in the fortress. And this is a legend, but he did exist. And if you look at the, there's a good article on uh, on Britannica. And it, and, it, and it says, the legends are based on Nizari Ismailis, a breakaway group from the Ismaili branch of Shia Islam that occupied a string of mountain castles in Syria and Iran from the end of the 11th century until the end of the Mongol conquest in the middle of the 13th century. They captured the first castle, Alamut, in northern Iran from the Sunni Seljuk Empire in 1090 under the leadership of Hassan e Sabah. And yeah, Hassan e Sabah, an Ismaili theologian and missionary, was the man of the mountain. And the man in the mountain was the one who was said in the legends. I don't know if he really radicalized them in that way, but that's the story, how it goes. Drug them, radicalize them, make them become assassins. May, that's the interesting part about it. Have you guys ever heard of that legend? No, I hadn't heard of it before. But I heard about... Uh, Assassin's Creed? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about Assassin's Creed. What have you heard about it? <laughs> the, the game? Yeah, who told you about it? It's a popular game. I don't know, it's like Halo. All right, so blasphemy. <laughs> I can actually go over the article a little bit more. So if you guys want to hear more about it, but this is my. I thought this was interesting. It's particularly because, um, I think that's. I don't think there's any assassin sex in Christianity, right? I mean, you had the Templars, but you never had this secret. You know. Secret mm. mysterious group that would you know kill pe- kill other people, right? Mm. Not that I, not that I can think of actually anything. Other that, I mean, that's probably related assassinations. I was going to yeah. say that that mm-hmm. depends how you. I mean, you're getting to like conspiracy theory realm then when it comes to because like I'm sure no mainstream as we know them Christians did, but I mean, there's all sorts of talk about like. You know the secret arm of the Vatican and stuff. Oh, like that. that's interesting. So, we sh- I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely stuff. I mean, but there's even, <laughs> there's even, and no disrespect intended, but there's even like conspiracy theory that says, um, like Islam in general was in, like almost an experiment by the Vatican. Like it was a, was a thing that they did, kind of in the way that the CIA muddles around over there and makes stuff. So. Mm. <clears throat> there's a, there is a lot of but i mean that's a whole other thing but in terms of like on the books assassin you know groups in christianity i don't think there is there's there's definitely groups there's like you said there was the templars there was the inquisition there was which the inquisition was you know they were killers too so oh i guess but i mean i mean to the same in the same way of assassin, no, there wasn't definitely. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, they they used to use espionage. They used to use, they were essentially ninjas, Muslim ninjas. Let's be real. I mean, that's what they yeah. sound like. But anyway, the stories that circulated in Europe weren't entirely accurate either. Despite the lead, the old man of the mountain, his um, Rashid al Din Senan, who led the Nazars for nearly thirty years at the height of their power, did not are not entirely accurate. All these. These claims. Most of the information about the Nazaris that reached Europe came from two hostile sources, kind of like the cynics. When we want to learn about the cynics, usually we don't know about them through um, 
sort this is just like the Gnostics. You only know about them through the hostile sources, right? So a lot of it's going to be convoluted and corrupted. So maybe they didn't use hashish. Maybe that wasn't a, th- a way of radicalizing people. I, re- I I think it's more of a legend, if anything, because it just sounds cool. But um, the Sunni Muslims and the Crusaders are the sources of what we know about this assassin group, this hidden mysterious group that would assassinate all these people. Um, and... Yeah, and apparently the use of drugs are not as not supported by Ismaili sources, and even the name assassin from the Arabic hashashish. Uh, let me try to put it. Hashashi was a pejorative term, and was never used by the Nazaris themselves, nor were the Nazaris unique in their use of political murder. So, like you said, it's not very, I mean, unique. All I mean, all religious sects to a certain point. Well, Killed I, off opposition. Less religious. I mean, they could be religious fueled, but they. It's it was, more political. It, it was always political. Yeah. Exactly, and they say it here in the Britannica um, article. Nor were the Nazaris unique in their use of political murders. Sunnis and Crusaders in the Middle East also practiced assassination, and of course, Europeans were perfectly adept at killing off their political rivals long before the Nazaris came along. So. That's just an interesting aspect um, for me that when I learned about Islam. And funny enough, I learned a lot, um, about Islam through um, a science class, funny enough. It was uh, the golden age of Islam. Which, uh, to me, I think that's one of the most interesting parts about Islam is... see what, what The golden you, age. Well, I mean, much in the way that it, it's... When we think of the West now, it's really in a lot of ways divorced from like the the influences of Christianity and Catholicism. However, in the Arabic world, you can still see a lot of that. And it's been that way since Islam came on. The, Is- the Islamic religion and the Middle East have been intertwined since, since it started and they've influenced each other. I mean, drastically. So when we talk about the golden age of the Islamic world, they were one and the same. And it was really it coincided with the fall of the the Western Roman Empire, um, with Rome really falling and and the Europe falling into you know the Dark Ages, because Rome did the, the one of the things Rome did a really good job at was chronicling the past and everything that was learned and taking things that worked well and preserving them. So that's why we know so much about the Greeks is because the Romans preserved these things. They the things they liked they preserved. Another thing is that in the in the Mediterranean, uh, easy access to cheap paper and writing materials, papyrus, made literacy very high and made them write. I mean, that's why they wrote everything down. In the other parts of Europe, more northern parts of Europe, papyrus wasn't a thing. They had to use animal skins for their like books. That's why books were so expensive to make. So, so much knowledge of you know the classical Roman Greco history and science was lost when when Rome fell and it was taken in and adopted by the the Islamic world and it kept it for hundreds of years pretty much until the renaissance um but they flourished and like like Gene said they didn't just hold it but they expanded on it they really made a lot of the modern math that we have comes from that golden age of Islam algebra yep on the mic. <laughs> Oops. 
Sorry, but son of a bitch. <laughs> we don't want your ASMR chewing. Sorry. No mukbangs. This is not that type of channel. <laughs> no, but so it, that brings us to... Algorithm, too. Actually, no, I think algorithm is yeah, a Latin word. I think that's why they... St- no, I don't know, because they start with the al. Yeah, yeah. A, it does sound like it's that's Arabic. That's a prefix of Arabic. Algorithm. But I know that the algorithm, the original algorithm, actually came... There's actually a Greek algorithm that's actually older than any algorithm that the Arabs ever created. What's the etym- well, I mean, I mean the concept of math, yeah, but I think the no, word... Yeah, the, the word itself, yeah, it's Arabic. Etymology? Algorithm. A process set of... Um, let me just look up etymology while you... Um, yeah. Um, and anyway, that's um, rough history. Like, I mean, we... To, first of all, to try to encompass the history of the Islamic religion in the Islamic world is damn near impossible in you know a thirty forty five minute podcast. But we take we give our takeaways, I guess, of some of the. Well, we highlight. We don't know everything, but I mean, we can talk now. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about Islam in the modern age. Yeah, I think Farina said sixteen nineties Arabic. If you look at etymology of algorithm, sixteen nineties Arabic system of computation from French algorithme refashions under mistaken connection with Greek arithmos from the old French algorithme, the Arabic numeral system, from medieval Latin algorithmus, a, ma- a mangled mistranslation of Arabic al-Khwarizami, wow. native of Khwarizam, modern Kiwa in Uzbekistan, <laughs> surname of the mathematician whose work introduced sophisticated mathematics to the West. Also, before I forget, something we, all, we learned in this history of science, which is um, one of the one of my favorites in uh, college, was that the, the a lot of the Western mathematicians wanted to preserve Roman numerals to do mathematics, and not because of practicality or scientific science, but because it was orthodox. So wanting to introduce the numbers from the Arabic numeral system that I think they adopted from the Indians. Was yes, they did. Was very very controversial at that time. A lot of people were against it. And it should be noted for anybody that's not tracking. When people refer to Arabic numerals, they're talking about the numbers that you use every day. Yes, Arabic numerals. Arabic mm-hmm. numerals were adapted. I do believe they were adapted from India. Pretty sure. Pretty sure they were adapted from India. So, um. Yeah, that's something that I learned ab- about. So Islam isn't necessarily just about... I mean, you can learn it from a scientific standpoint. I mean, that's what we did. Um, that's my takeaway. What about you, Dio? Uh, <laughs> I've just been listening. What do you know about Islam? About generally just what... A bit about... Yeah, what did you ever learn about it when you were in school? No. Not in school. Not in high school or a college? No, not at any point. The only... University? Not really either? bit I learned about Islam was just from friends who are Muslim. That's it. But they didn't really get into detail about the history or background of things. Just general ideas of what they believe. What what did they tell you about it when you um, conversed with your Muslim friends? Nothing in particular that's, like, noteworthy. Yeah. Just like same stuff you would hear from Christianity. Christianity, yeah, it sounds decently similar. It's interesting because, he, uh, according to Mac, he said that um, Islam is more similar to Judaism than Christianity. Which, I, yeah, I definitely think it is actually. I be- mostly because they don't have the, um, 
they they don't have the the character of Jesus, which changes the game quite a bit. Like so, in in terms of like, if we add up the stats, so Judaism to Islam to Christianity, Judaism just has the one God, Islam just has the one God. Christianity gets a little confusing in that regard with yeah how you view Jesus, Father, the the Godhead. Yeah, like Jesus is God also. Yeah, the the Jews were much more strict about keeping the law, the you know keeping things kosher. The same can be applied to Islam with Sharia law and uh, keeping food halal, right? Whereas Christianity, everything operates under grace. But I also heard that, and uh, uh, like maybe this is not for the for this episode mm-hmm. particularly, but I heard that also in some. Maybe Orthodox Christianity eating shellfish is considered. Um, well, and there's there's debate depending on your your branch of Christianity. What because there's some branches that un, yeah, believe that all the kosher rules still apply. Like if you are a Christian, you're basically just a Jew who believes in Jesus, right? Um, it, it it depends how you interpret it, but in general, most Christian sects they they you can eat whatever you want. You don't have to follow the strict guidelines. Um, and a lot of, if you look at the law of Moses, which we'll get into in the next one, there's a lot of similarities with Sharia law. Everybody nowadays talks about, you know, you know, Muslim, uh, Muslim countries, Muslim majority countries that operate under Sharia law. And they're really, it's Old Testament type stuff. I mean, that's what they're talking about. Very strict about things like keeping the Sabbath. Uh, don't, um, you know. Don't work on Sunday. Yep, keeping the Sabbath, yep, uh, against homosexuality, against, you know, drinking, against vices, against uh, sin in general. And basically, I mean, that's where you get to the extreme, these honor killings and people getting stoned to death. And, like, these are, this is Old Testament Judaism <laughs> still being practiced uh, in, in some places to this day, right? And so that's what the big, that's what people mean when they talk about Sharia law. When you were on tour in um, Iraq, did mm-hmm. you ever see anything of that sort? People getting stoned or... Yeah. No, no, I never saw that. Um, there was, I mean, because they, you know, they wouldn't have done it in front of soldiers. Yeah, that's true. Like, they just, because we'd probably stop them. Because, and it's, that's where the, the culture is very different. But Iraq's an interesting place because it has... <clears throat> It has both Sunni and Shiites and uh, the the Kurdish up north. And the Kurdish are uh, polytheistic. No, the Kurdish are mo- a lot of them are Christian. Wow, some, I heard some about, of them are Islam, but uh, I heard there was a small sect of Kurdish people who believe in a polytheistic um, system. There may be, maybe try, you might be thinking of the Bedouins. Maybe the Bedouins are the the nomads that go around the area, camels and stuff. But uh, no, that's, so Iraq specifically has this separation of all three, so that's why it gets really hot there, whereas other countries have a real clear-cut majority. You don't worry yeah, about like in things. Turkey and yeah, I- Iran. Exactly. Um, so we never saw that. We never, never witnessed any of those sort of things. Um, but there was, I mean, there was talk of it all the time. Maybe a Terp, an interpreter or something would disappear. Especially if that interpreter was a woman, like she she just wouldn't show up for work, and we'd never see her again. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Often or just one time? A couple times. Wow, a couple times. Yeah. Especially they they find out that they're helping the U.S. That could have just been it. Yeah, could have been that it's a nationalistic a, issue. Could have been that it was just a you know young 
woman being with a group full of guys alone. So could have been a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't say as much nationalistic because I can't really comment on the the sense of nationalistic pride that Iraqis have. I, I don't know. But I do know that there's a lot of tribal and, like, town-to-town strife that pops up, which is one of the reasons why um, things went to shit really quick when uh, Saddam Hussein was taken down over there. It got, like, the the opportunities for, like, regional warlords to come in kind of really kicked in. And so I don't know how they feel about themselves as a nation. That's not, you know, I, I just don't know. So I can't comment on it. But I do know that for most for most Muslims in the world, especially here in the US, it really is just like being a Christian or a, or a Jew, you know. You go to the you go to the mosque, you do your you do your religious duties, you do your holiday stuff. The five pillars, which for anyone that's wondering, the five pillars of Islam is um speaking the speaking the words that make you a Muslim, uh, which is basically all you have to do to be a Muslim is say, declare your faith, which just you're basically saying that like there is one God, Muhammad is his prophet, and you say it in front of a witness and you you are like a Muslim then. Um, Then there's obligatory prayer, which is five times a day. That's generally always done. You wash the feet and the hands. You roll out your mat and you face Mecca, wherever you are in the world. Mecca is the most holy site in Islam. Um, it's in Saudi Arabia, I think, right? Mecca. I think so. Yeah. Um, and then you pray. And you pray in the morning, afternoon, or morning, noon, afternoon, evening, and night. Something like that. And it involves prostrations, right? Uh, then there's uh, charity, compulsory giving. That's part of one of the pillars, so helping the poor, donating to them. Uh, Fasting in the month of Ramadan, the way Muslims fast for that month, and they go off a lunar month, so Ramadan shifts um, every year. It's a different month based on our calendar. They go off the lunar calendar. Um, And so the way they fast during that month is they don't eat or drink anything from sunrise to sunset. But then afterwards, they, they party. <laughs> they, they eat quite a bit. Um, I don't blame them. And then finally is the pilgrimage to Mecca, known as the Hajj. Uh, and this is once in your life you have to make the pilgrimage to Mecca where you go around the, the black cube, which is, what is that called? Is that called the, look it up real quick. That is called the... The black stone, the Kaaba. The Kaaba is the black stone. That is the holy. You know, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I used to look up um, videos on YouTube wondering what is inside that. It's actually, do you know what's inside it? A stone? No. So the Kaaba is, that's actually, it's black because that's a covering for it. The inside is thought to be a the original house of Abraham, actually. That is really interesting. So it is an ancient little cube house. And what was in there originally was a whole, the whole little room was filled with idols of the polytheistic Arabic gods prior to the arrival of Islam. And they had all the gods in there. And that was a super holy site for uh, 
early Arabic people there. Uh, and then after uh, Muhammad had his visions, it became a holy site for Islam, and that's when it became, yeah, became the holiest place in Islam. I, I don't know if so there's still... Just kind of took it over and then wrapped up... Well, to be honest, it, Islam is... Islam, Islam kind of, uh, they have like a... I heard this too, by the way. It's um, If you look it up on Google, it says, The Kaaba is built around a sacred black stone, a meteorite that Muslims believe was placed by Abraham and Ishmael in a corner of the Kaaba, a symbol of God's covenant with Abraham and Ishmael, and by extension with the Muslim community itself. Yeah, I think I remember... Hey, that's kind of epic. Well, that's that was a pretty, meteorite. Hey, that's pretty epic. It, well, there's a piece of a meteorite in the construction of the building. But that's yeah. pretty epic, not oh, going to lie. It's hardcore, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty it's epic. Old. But uh, no, uh, Islam in general is kind of like a hermit crab. I want to see a religion. picture of it. I want to. They they go, uh, like they just kind of move in a place and make it a mosque. <laughs> they make it a holy site. So, for example, uh, you know, the Kaaba is one. The Temple Mount in Jerusalem was a holy site for Jews for you know since Israel was a thing. That's a the most one of the holy sites in Islam as well. That's one of the reasons why there's a lot of fight between the Jews and the Palestinians over the Temple Mount. Um, because I think there's a mosque there right now, actually, where the former temple was. There's other places. There's the, <laughs> the Hagia Sophia in Turkey. We were talking about that earlier. Um, for those that don't know, the Hagia Sophia was a beautiful church made in... Uh, Turkey by the Romans, by you know, the Eastern Roman Empire. Um, it was an Eastern Orthodox church, beautiful, beautiful architecture. Eastern Orthodox church for quite a while, then it became a Catholic church, um, and then it became a mosque when the when the, the Muslims came in, uh, and then it was a museum. It's been a museum for quite a long time. It's now the government of Turkey is turning it back into a mosque. I'm personally not really thrilled about that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be thrilled if they turn it back into a church. <laughs> I just think that it should be a, it should a UNESCO be a, World Heritage Site, it, as it was. And and it's because of its multicolored history. I mean, it's because it was so many things that it's it's a uh, it sh- it should be a museum. And it, I'm bummed out. And this is maybe selfish of me. I don't really give a fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> like I would. I wanted to see it. That was like literally. I when I first heard about it when I was real young. Uh, in one of my classes, and I thought, this is one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen. I really want to go there. And it says it's such an interesting history. And and so that was definitely on the bucket list. Uh, I don't believe I'll be able to go in now because mosques, if you're not uh, Muslim, you cannot go into mosques. Wait, is it officially a mosque now or that's just it's, a proposition? It's, it's turning into one. So they've already approved it. It's so what are they going to do? They're just going to... Remodel it? Um, they've or this interior is going to be remodeled? It's. I mean, it was a mosque last. They'll probably just take out all the museum stuff and then get, they, they'll get put that to print. Because from what I've seen, most mosques are pretty. There's not a lot to them. They may they have really nice construction with the domes and everything, but it's a lot of empty space inside. Like they're the whole point of it is everyone goes in there and prays. So it'll be doing that. Um, maybe you're thrilled for it. Maybe not. But that's what's happening. Uh, but that's that's kind of Islam. Like they they tend to just, and and I'm not saying this in a in a derogatory way at all. I'm just saying they tend to move in and and find significance with places that are significant, and then it's significant to them as well. And then that's that. So 
that's the benefit of being the youngest of <laughs> of the Abrahamic religions, I guess. Uh, you get all the hand-me-downs. So, all right. Anything else? Are we going to uh, credits? Uh so any last thoughts? Uh, deal. Uh, no, no, nothing for me. Uh, any last thoughts, Gene? I just want to know. I want to see what's inside the Kaaba. <laughs> you know, I'm generally curious. <laughs> there's no fucking way that place. There's no fucking way. Is it like? You're, you're not getting hell. No, they don't. I don't down. even think that. I think like once they have like a scheduled cleaning or maintenance for it that's super secret and select people can do it. But the average <laughs> person like, doesn't go. If you, it reminds me of an OG 2008 YouTube when people were making conspiracies about everything. It's like, man, there's an alien inside. Well, you, when you make the Hajj <laughs> to Mecca, how far are you from the... Cave? I mean, you're close, but you're not that close. Because if I... I mean, just looking at it now, there's like a border around it. Like, dive in? <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> and then be ripped to shreds afterwards by the huge, massive crowd. Just, Live stream it so people get to see. <laughs> <Some> <laughs> other people just wait till you have terminal cancer or something. <laughs> then jump in. Someone I'm dying anyway. Here you no, go. No, but I swear that there. I don't know why it makes me so curious. It's That's a, not the most mysterious one. You know the the place to go is the little hut in Ethiopia that they say the Ark of the Covenant's in. Oh, you know what? Uh, the underneath the Vatican City. No, no, the Ark of the Covenant. They say it's it's in Ethiopia. Okay, this is becoming but a we'll, Da, Vin- we'll da Vinci get, episode. We'll get into that next time. Uh, this has been our our episode on Islam for the month of December, Abrahamic religion special. Probably this was the driest of all the ones we will do, <laughs> admittedly. We apologize for that. But again, we don't claim to be experts on this religion. We're just doing our best to inform you guys. I hope you were informed and I hope you enjoyed it. And above all, no matter what your religion, hope you're having a good holiday season and staying well. this back in Parabellum. Very interesting.